Welcome to Force Points to the Point Cybersecurity Podcast. Each week, join Eric Trexler and Erica Pierce to explore the latest in government cybersecurity news and trending topics. Always covered in 15 minutes or less. Now, let's get to the point. Hi, and welcome to episode 12 of To The Point Cybersecurity. This is one of your co-hosts, Erica Pierce, joined as always by Eric Trexler. Hi, Good Eric. Good morning, Erica. Good morning. Um, so Eric, this week, it, it's just the two of us again. It's been a while. We've had um, a lot of great guests, but this week we thought we'd just do a, a little one-on-one chat um, and talk about this um, this latest breach that's happened by, by Marriott. I love our guests, but let's check. <laughs> okay. So first, I mean, I think unless you've been sort of living under a rock, you're aware that most recently um, the Marriott reservation system was hacked and about 500 million um, e- users were, uh, were exposed in terms of their names, phone numbers, passport numbers, all types of personal information. And the first thing I thought about when I was reading about um, this hack was actually goes back to one of uh, Dr. Ford's articles in terms of, should we be more outraged when this is happening? I mean, he talked about how we're starting to become accustomed to this. And so I just wanted to get your thoughts because I haven't even actually gone to the website yet to see if I was, you know, hacked and I'm a regular Marriott user. So are we starting to just become, you know, just, just accustomed to this type of, uh, these data breaches? Well, let's be, let's be accurate, right? It was the Starwood guest reservations database. Mm-hmm. So Marriott actually acquired the hack. Right. They acquired the problem. And if you stayed with Starwood, the odds are, yes, your data was taken. You, you should absolutely treat it as if your data is, has been taken. Well, and, and that's interesting because, as you just said, um, when Marriott acquired Starwood, it also begs the question of the type of due diligence that was done to just even be aware that these types of things are happening in terms of, um, you know, their, the data protections, things like that. And from your opinion, Eric, also just having worked in the cyberspace, how does this happen? I mean, how 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 is this happening? How can it be prevented? How can large organizations, government, what can we be doing differently to um, better protect the data? I mean, again, going back to sort of what Dr. Ford talked about a few episodes ago. I mean, there seems to be a trust issue that continues, that continues to be happening. Absolutely. How does it happen? A, you know, an agency in the government, a business in the commercial world asks you for information so that you can do something. You know, you want to make a reservation. We, we mm-hmm. like the ease of use of booking online. In order to do that, though, we have to share information they have to capture that information and store it and theoretically secure it effectively. When they don't, we have what happens here. Same thing with Equifax, same thing mm-hmm. with Tar. same thing. I mean, let's go down the list of significant breaches. You know, let's not leave the government out, OPM. Mm-hmm. It, it's not just about stealing critical intellectual property. A lot of times it's stealing our data, our personal data. So how does it happen? Well, we want to do something. We want to interact with an organization of some sort and they have to share it with, in order to do that effectively and, and have that transaction work, we have to share information. So they have our information in a consolidated location. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Perfect target for malicious activity. 
Well, and then, you know, you and I were both at a cybersecurity conference um, last week. It was a government-focused cybersecurity conference. And one of the things that that stood out to me um, was this notion of, you know, cybersecurity as part of the culture. Um, under that context, it was the culture of these government agencies. But in this context, also the, the culture of the organization. And um, before the podcast started, we were talking about a, um, a great article by Brian Krebs from Krebs on Security um, that had a chart that kind of takes you through how different um, organizations are approaching um, cybersecurity. And, uh, you know, I'm just wondering, as these things happen, will we see sort of this this shift in, in this um, cybersecurity culture? I feel like we're definitely seeing it within government, but um, it, it looks as though, you know, we need to see it shifting through all types of organizations, small, large, private, public. It's it's definitely shifting. It's definitely growing. One of the you know we, we've got a few challenges, right? Today, there are estimates out there of up to six trillion dollars in cybersecurity damages across the global economy. I mean that's a that's a pretty big number when you compare it to most countries' GDP. Mm-hmm. The amount the same studies would state that the amount of investment we're making in cybersecurity between, I think the date was 2017 to 2022, that five-year period will be almost a trillion dollars. So what we're hearing is the adversary is extracting six times the value of what we're putting in to protect ourselves. Additionally, the adversary always has the advantage. When we look at you know these attacks, if you look at the Verizon data breach, most compromises, 87% in, this, in the study from Verizon happen in a minute or less or wow. minutes minutes or less and they 68% go discovered for more than months right so the adversary has all the advantage or or a great bit of the advantage we're making progress but how do you solve the personnel problem how do you solve the adversarial advantage problem what do you protect you know with a, a limited amount of resources, how do you change yourself to this digital world we live in? You know, look at the Social Security Administration. We'll pick on them for a few mm-hmm. minutes. Social Security numbers came out quite a while ago, mm-hmm. decades ago. They really weren't meant for the digital economy. You know, so how do we have to evolve everything we're doing, I think, is are some of the questions we need to ask ourselves. No, that, that's a good point. I mean, I think the um, you know, one of the phrases I or things I hear all the time in terms of the adversaries is that they just have to get it right one time. Right. And that's one time. That's it. So right now, especially, um, you know, on Capitol Hill, Hill, there's a lot of discussion on what government can do to better protect um, these types of, you know, uh, these, these breaches, these hacks from happening. And there's been talk about whether or not um, we need. We in the U.S. need a national privacy data law. We know the EU um, passed legislation um, around this area that went into effect earlier this year, and that's the GDPR, the General Data Protection Regulation. But what are your thoughts there? I mean, could 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 the U.S. having um, this type of legislation in place where businesses are required to disclose breaches? I don't know if that prevents them from happening, but sort of, you know, puts more oversight over it. Do you think that could be a a, a game changer in terms of how we move forward? I don't know about a game changer. Anytime you legislate or regulate from an industry perspective, uh, you've got to be very careful to get it right. Mm -hmm. You can can have far-reaching and drastic consequences 
Um, you know, I, I think there are, are clearly some beneficial components to GDPR. We really don't have that in the United States. Uh, the indirect costs in the United States, according to Verizon once again, are the highest in the world. You know, the indirect cost per capita right now of these breaches is $152 per person. Wow. <laughs> right, so that, that's indirect cost, going back to that $6 trillion number that I mentioned earlier. So I think, I think legislation is part of it. I think, I think the other thing is, I, you know, and I don't know anything more about Marriott than, than you or, or anybody not associated with it does. From what I've read though, they did have insurance, cybersecurity insurance. And I think insurance is going to help and harm at the same time, right? So some of the costs will be covered from the insurance perspective with Marriott. It won't be as drastic a breach to their bottom line as it could have been without insurance. What they're going to do from an insurance perspective, though, Erica, is, is we're going to see, a, or I imagine over time, we're going to see the cost of cybersecurity cyber breach insurance going up. Companies okay. are going to have to create, you know, they're, they're going to have to apply for this insurance. They're going to have to pay for it. Mm -hmm. The costs are going up. So how do you mitigate insurance costs, right? Well, the insurance companies are going to give you different rate schedules, I would assume. What are your cybersecurity practices? Are you following best practices? Going back to the Krebs article, you know, are you a basic organization? Are you right. progressing from a cybersecurity perspective? Or are you really advanced? One would argue that, hey, if you're really advanced and can prove that you're doing the things to protect your data and the people, your constituents, your employees, agents, contractors that work with you, you name it, your cost should probably be lower than somebody who, some, an organization who isn't doing that. Now that doesn't help in the government space, mm -hmm. but you know, just, just to hammer that point home, look at the car insurance industry. If, if you have points on your license, if you have a track record of accidents, right. your insurance cost is higher. I would argue that, that that component should over time, and it's not moving fast enough for any of us, should help drive businesses to be more careful, to, to be more proactive, to be more advanced in the way they, they deal with protecting individual data, the way they, they deal with protecting their own data. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, in, in this case, we, we saw data that was lost on individual constituents, customers of Marriott. In many cases, we see critical IP for organizations getting lost. It, it wasn't that Starward or Marriott wanted to do anything wrong or malicious. Um, you know, they, they, it appears that the adversary got in and they didn't protect the data properly. Same thing can happen in government organizations. The government is a a steward of our, you know, of our intellectual property, our information. Our, you know, so if, if a government agency will pick on OPM again, gets breached, right. That information is out in the wild, depending on who breached it, who took that information. Um, it's incumbent upon these organizations to protect the information that they collect, to collect the minimal amount required. And I would also argue to, to preserve it, to retain it for only as long as it's required to interact with us. And a lot of times they retain information indefinitely or they don't know what information they right. have or where they have it or what their retention rules are. So when you look at things, at, at capabilities or, or, or programs like the FedRAMP program, you know, if you look at GDPR and EMEA, 
in, in Eastern Europe, I should say, or, or in Europe, excuse me, there are a lot of requirements there to dispose of data in appropriate manners in, a pro, in the appropriate amount of time, in an appropriate manner in the appropriate amount of time so that that data isn't there to be taken. Right. And I know that's one of the things um, if we, you know, in terms of some of the members of Congress who have started to talk about data protection um, legislation, that was one piece that they were um, recommending be a part of it is putting some parameters, especially on how long um, these companies can retain retain that data. Because um, certainly, if, for example, if you've just, <laughs> you know, used your made one reservation in, in your lifetime um, many, many years ago, does that still need to be in, in their in their database? Um, you know, 10, 15 years later, it begs that question. Yeah. I mean, so, what, what's the, what's the amount of data they require in order to service you, the customer in the most efficient manner is probably the way in a, in a consumer argument, but mm-hmm. maybe even commercial that I would, that I would argue is, is what they should be looking at. It's too easy to collect and forget though. I oh, mean, absolutely. Well, and also to keep for business purposes as well, I assume. I mean, they, you know, they want to capture your information um, and be able to, I'm sure, leverage it for, you know, other marketing and other ways that they're allowed to do so when it's permissible. But but in, in defense of these organizations, how often do you go through your filing cabinet and throw <laughs> right. old, outdated papers away? How often do you go through your email and purge emails that are no longer relevant, but that may have personal information in it? So true. So true. We hardly ever do it. Nope. You're right. You're right. Well, lots of lots of lessons learned here. Um, I mean, I think it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, what happens. But, uh, you know, this particular breach um, certainly has because of the I think the size of it has gotten a lot um, a lot of coverage. And again, I I think it just um, begs the question of how do we um, as both consumers, you know, show the outrage that we can at least hold, you know, these companies more accountable to the, to the future and what also, what government interventions can be done as well. Well, how do you as a consumer, what do you recommend the consumer do? I mean, you can, you can decide to stop doing business with, with Marriott or Starwood in this case, but you really don't have a lot of options. Well, very, very true. I mean, I think the only, as to your point earlier, I think, um, unless you're really starting to impact a company's bottom line, I mean, that's when they start to feel it. So, but, but again, I I think we are becoming so just accustomed to this, that it would not cross the mind of probably your average consumer to say, I'm no longer doing business with this company because of this data breach. Or in some cases you can't. Right. Right. And let's look at Equifax. Right. How do you choose to (laughs) stop doing business with a credit agency that you're not even doing business with? that has a ton of your PII, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? So there has to be a call, but at the end of the day, short of having very unique, long, complicated passwords, short of using one, you know, one time and not reusing passwords, mm-hmm. changing them frequently, there isn't a lot that the consumer can do other than choose to not do businesses with this, these organizations. And I would argue most consumers in this, you know, on, on this planet are not going to stop doing business electronically. Oh, no, no, definitely, definitely. There's there's a a, a part of the Krebs article that I loved. I'll I'll quote it quickly. I just highlighted this. This is, uh, you realize that expecting another company to safeguard your security is a fool's errand and that it makes more sense to focus instead on doing everything you can (laughs) to proactively prevent identity thieves, malicious hackers 
from abusing access to your data. Change your passwords. Make <laughs> them complicated. I mean, it's there. There's you. You can't trust these organizations. You're you're not in control as the consumer. No, and that's what I mean. I think that's what's that's the, that's what feels challenging um, as a consumer is that you just don't unless you again make you know a choice to not do business electronically, um, then your hands are, are, are very tied. So. It's um, huh. It's one that we'll have to see how it all figures itself out. But it, it's definitely interesting, especially as we continue to see. Um, it feels like we're in a, a hacking season right now in terms of the information and that, <laughs> in terms of the number of emails and, and such that you get on a weekly basis. You know about your information potentially being compromised. So, yeah, and we've been in one for a long time. It's it's one of the reasons not to commercialize this, but it's one of the reasons we're really focusing on trust and we're focusing on the identity, Mm -hmm. the digital identity here, uh, because when your profile, whether consumer or corporate profile starts doing things, activities, behaviors that normal, that aren't normal, that, that fall without that digital fingerprint, if you will, of what you would normally do, we can easily, organizations can very easily flag on that. Getting to the consumer level, a little more complicated. I think the banks are doing it pretty well with, with credit card abuse. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> mine you know, how many my, times mine you shuts called? down my card all the time. <laughs> yeah, Erica, <laughs> did you make a transaction for $1,429 in Bangladesh this morning? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that wasn't me. Okay, good. We've held that. You know, so looking at the actual individual and understanding what they're doing, I, I think is one key component to the future of, of better protecting organizations and and people's data it's just a different approach no i think i think you're right i think you're definitely right well eric i think that's all we have time for today um we'll include the um the link to the um the krebs article in our show notes because it's i i I personally i think you did too like the his breakdown especially the chart in terms of the organizations huh we may even see the uh insurance companies <laughs> using that chart as you that said would be the hope. And, and change yeah. <laughs> your passwords frequently and don't reuse them and and don't use one two three four <laughs> correct okay <laughs> all right thanks eric um appreciate it and we'll talk to you guys all next week and uh just again if you like the podcast please subscribe Please send us um, a, um, a, a rating as well as um, star us. Just let us know that you're out there and that you're, you're listening. We'd love to hear from our, our, our listeners. There's a lot more to come on Marriott also. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Have a good one, Eric. Talk to you soon. You too, Eric. Bye, Take everyone. Care. Thanks for joining us on the To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast, brought to you by Forcepoint. For more information and show notes from today's episode, please visit www.forcepoint.com slash govpodcast. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or the Google Play Store 